This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Rundown is the most watched, least trusted news program in Catholic media that you all watch. Are we headed for another black triduum? How about New York and California mask up again? Boris admits that boosters don't work. Should he be banned from social media? Teachers are grooming kids. We have three different videos to get through on that. More and more football players are echoing the I can't breathe. Maybe that was, um, well, maybe that was foreboding. Arrested at Applebee's in New York for not having your vaccine passport? Maybe you should be arrested for going to Applebee's instead. New Zealand, you can spread STDs, you just cannot spread the flu. This is the rundown. This is the Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is the Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com We need you to stay in your home for a couple weeks. It's for the greater good. We need you to close your business just for a short time. It's for the greater good. We need you to stay home just a little bit longer than two weeks. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear this on your face. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear two of these on your face. It's for the greater good. We need you to inject this into your body. It's for the greater good. We need you to spend the holidays alone. It's for the greater good. You must inject this into your body if you want to feed your family. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop eating that. It's not good for the environment. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop driving your car and flying. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop heating your home so often. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop saying that. It's hurting some people's feelings. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop having children. It's not good for the planet. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop talking about your faith. 
It's offending people. This is for the greater good. We need to separate you from your children because you're not complying. This is for the greater good. We need to hold you in a facility for a little while for not cooperating. This is for the greater good. 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 This is for the It's addicting. I know. I just can't uh, stop moving my head. I, all day today, <laughs> gentlemen, all day, I was told by reliable sources in Rome. I was told by all the blogs that matter. I was told by the McBloggers and, and everyone else that we were going to get a decree today banning the Latin Mass worldwide for Easter. That decree never came, Brother Martin. Where is it? <laughs> well, I heard it was going to come before Christmas. Uh, we're still before Christmas. I only heard actually from one source that, according to his sources, that it was going to come by Friday. I don't know. Um, it 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 always seems, at least from from my experience in the last ten years of of being in the ecclesiastical world, for some reason things always drop near a very important day, like whether it be Easter, whether it be, something important to the person. Where if if a priest is going to get suspended, for instance, it happens on a relatively meaningful day to that person. Um, things just happen that way, I guess. I don't know. But nonetheless, I do think this decree is coming. Both Edward Penton reported on it. Uh, Rorate Chelly reported on it. Um, it's coming. Timing may not always be exactly um, precise. Um, but we've been, we've known this this moment has been coming for years. It was only a matter of when, not if, but when. Um, so it's coming. Do you agree with that, Ryan? Do you think it's coming? Do you think it's coming uh, imminently or before Christmas? <clears throat> That's it's hard to predict. Um, there, like I said last time, there, sometimes they put out info that is true, mostly true, sometimes false, in order to get people worked up. See what exactly people are going to do. Now, all the reporting that I've seen and the sources I've that I have, other people have better sources than I have. Everyone is more or less convinced 
a document is coming out. And so it might have been the rumor bin jumped on it and said, oh, it's going to come out this Friday. Maybe it's going to be next Friday, for all we know. And I would predict, actually, when it does come out, there will be another twist to it, something that hasn't been reported yet. Whether that's because they added it in or, or somebody controlled the leak, I have no idea. But uh, expect more than just questions of the Triduum or the mm-hmm. other sacraments. Mm-hmm. What, what do you What do you think, James? Um, is <laughs> do you think that they intentionally have laid this groundwork to where okay, first Traditionis Custodis comes out, and then the Archdiocese of Rome says, "Here's how we interpret it," and then oh, by the way, everyone needs to mirror us. Do you think that's the the inevitable uh, result? Sure. I mean, there's always a test balloon period. Um, we can kind of see that they roll this out for Rome and Rome uh, is falling in lockstep and they can sit back and kind of measure out how things are working and whether or not this needs to be carried forward. Of course, that's always the end goal. Um, we can squabble about timelines or what have you, but the end goal is to squash uh, tradition. And this is going to come sooner than later. Um, of course, people around the world are praying and hoping it's not as imminent as uh, most say it is. But, uh, you know, you have someone like Ed Penton calling up uh, the uh, dicastery there where you have um, Roche and uh, Roche not wanting to say anything at all, you know, basically being mum. So it makes me feel like this is more credible than not. And uh, as far as the imminence of this, I, I don't know exactly when that is. Uh, to what Brother said, this might be something that's coming. Um, maybe closer, <laughs> maybe closer to, uh, you know, an important day or, or not, you know, I don't want to speculate too much on that, but I, I know, uh, from these sources that, uh, they, they think, uh, and feel that this is, uh, coming very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, we are headed into, I, I, and, and I think that these things are always linked together. The fact that we are headed for another black triduum, the third in a row. And we are headed for more lockdowns. The Netherlands are locking down. Uh, the United Kingdom is very strict. Other places in Europe. I want to play you this video from um, Governor Moonbat. Where is this video, Governor <laughs> Moonbat? I should just name it Governor Moonbat, where he's saying essentially, no, no. First, let's go to let's go to England. A lot of protection against uh, serious illness and death, but it doesn't uh, protect you against catching the disease and it doesn't uh, doesn't protect, protect you against passing it on so now is the time to get your booster laughing when he says that he can't even say it with a straight face here's newsome question is what's the po- we understand the justification for masking so but my know, question but I... is what's the point of mandating it if there is no enforcement if there's no teeth so as it relates to the Omicron variant and i want to get to your point i i answered it succinctly by saying i have more faith than you do in the capacity of people to do the right thing. So that's the response. I'm now broadening the response because I think it deserves uh, a more comprehensive response. The Omicron in particular is of concern because we know the transmissibility is much higher. The severity may not be as acute, but we're seeing it disproportionately. We have 48 cases in California we've identified. This is important. And the vast majority overwhelming majority have been fully vaccinated and that's why masking becomes even more important in this environment and so the imperative is to get through this winter surge and to do so in a way where we come out the other side uh, and we have a chance to reevaluate 
Okay, I think I have this logic straight, Ryan. <laughs> I think I have this straight in my mind. Vaccinated people spread Omicron, therefore you should wear a mask. I mean, that's what I heard. That's what I heard a, a world leader say, and the leader of the what ninth largest economy in the world, California, say. Um, so th these people are credible, right? They must be well, extremely qualified epidemiologists. Oh, wait, actually, no. They're incompetent politicians running effectively terrorist governments when you get down to it. Um, really, what does all this mean? All this means that these things you're talking about, uh, they don't work. Because if they worked, at, I mean, just go back to the statements being made last year or even um, around November, December last year. January this year. Oh, you got to get this. You got to get your booster. You got to get all these things because it's going to protect you. It's going to stop any transmission. It's going to. And now they're essentially admitting all of that was a lie. Everything's a lie. And they're ignoring the elephant in the room, of course, which are side effects. Same thing on masks again, which we know don't work. The, every, every study again and again and again shows they don't work. And yet here they are again. But wait, wait, everyone got jab. I mean, California is a massive percentage of the population has, has gotten the jab. And the booster, but yet they all have to wear the mask still. What, what does that mean? It just tell they're just basically telling it to us. And what about the parties they go to after they come out and make all these asinine statements? What's the next thing they do? They go to a party, Bojo or Newsom or whoever. They're all at parties. None of them are wearing masks. The uh, and, and they're all in close contact, and they don't care. It's rules for thee, but not for me. I get. Yeah. No, it's true. I'll let you take a bite of your dinner. I'll cut over to uh, to Brother Martin. Um, the, the, thing, the thing with New York and California masking up is I know a lot of people who are watching the rundown are not in New York or California. Uh, in fact, um, just from the analytics of our audience, I know this for a fact. But the other fact is, is that New York and California represent, Brother Martin, a huge percentage of the United States, um, a disproportionate number of human beings who are now being told by their governors to, you know, to wear this sacramental on their face, which is an outward sign of the COVID religion, um, conveying to the world, uh, burning the incense, if you will, conveying to the world that you believe in the superstition of the, of, of the COVID religion. Where are our church leaders? Where are our bishops and archbishops to oppose this? Where are they? I, I can't find one. Of course not. I mean, actually, I mean, the strength of the rebellion of the resistance is actually coming from, I guess, the uh, this not really the suburbs, but the country, the the counties out in the country where um, just the local gas stations, you know, they they have the signs up on their door because they're required to have signs, you know, mass required, but they don't enforce them, or the stores um, that just let every everybody come in if they want without a mask and they don't say a single word. This is what actually where the real resistance is, is happening. I guess California, New York have some uh, influence on a lot of cities in the, in the United States, precisely because a lot of business goes through California or New York. Um, businesses in other cities in the United States have, have some sort of affiliation or whatever. They do business with people in New York and California, so they feel like they have to comply. Um, but nonetheless, um, I mean, we know all the cities in, in the country are blue. We've seen maps of, of, of votes. You know, it, it seems like 98% like of the United States is red, but the only blue you see on the map are, are, are major cities. Um, that, that's just the way I guess our demographics work. And that's exactly why we need an electoral college and it'll go by the popular vote.
Um, but I guess, I mean, the church leaders, they're not going to stand up. They're, well, to be honest, they're cowards. They're not, they're just not going to go against the status quo. They're, they're not going to rock the boat. Um, they're not yeah. going to go against Rome. They're not going to go against Washington, D.C. They're just not going to do anything. No, they're not. Uh, well, I mean, because Washington's not going to bail them out again. Um, I think this is a good this is a good point that uh, execute one eight seven makes in the chat, uh, James. We need a devotion to the Holy Face. Uh, one of the one of the prayers of the Holy Face says, "Show us Thy face, o Lord, we will be saved." The demonic inversion of that prayer, of course, is uh, "Mask from us Thy face, O citizen, or we will be affected." Um, that's, that's everything that the demons do is an inversion of something holy and good. And, um, and, and this COVID religion is an inversion of that. James, you're muted. You're muted, James. Oh, I was just miming. No, I can speak. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's absolutely right. You know, this uh, new COVID religion, uh, I call it the branch Covidians. I'm not sure if I coined it or if anyone else uh, did before I, uh, but uh, that's exactly right. You know, they have their priests, they have their sacraments, and you cannot go against this state religion. Yeah. I think on, on high is gospel, gospel truth, unless it changes, um, as we've seen so many times with uh, Fauci and, uh, and the rest of them. You know, it's true today and then tomorrow it changes. We don't know exactly what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But we know when they proclaim it from on high, we have to jump to it. And this is what they're relying on. You know, they're relying on us being uh, simple uh, sheep, so to speak, you know, and that uh, d- demonic conversion. You know, they want us to be willing compliance who are not challenging anything. And this is what we have to fight against. You know, this is that tyranny, which uh, this is a time to stand on principles, you know, not time to sort of beat around the bush and to wonder when next your uh, homily is going to come from that cable uh, news network. You know, I wouldn't name names, but we, we, we know what they are. We know who they are out there. You know, the people uh, and friends and family, of course, it's so sad, but this is kind of where we are. You know, there's so much, disinformation out there but they the narrative for them is this is a religion and we have your sacraments and we have your priest and you must obey yeah no i mean and here's the thing and i think this is a question for you ryan all of this is so absurd any sentient thinking human being can see right through it you know i'll give i'll give some clerics a pass for certainly for the first two weeks for the first month for the first couple months it was novel. You didn't know what was happening. You know, it seemed like a lot of people in Italy were dying. The numbers out of Germany weren't available yet. And you, de- you never really trust anything coming out of China. But as the months and the weeks wore on and on and on, I know I've become less patient with clerics who are COVIDians. And we've been very critical on the show of the, of the, of the priests who put in their bulletins, you know, uh, that you have to obey your bishop in all things but sin and you have to wear the mask no matter what. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're on like week 700, uh, day 700 to flatten the curve, Ryan. And it's becoming more and more absurd. Like it's it's to the point now where you almost wonder, are they not trolling us? Are they not? Are they not? Are they not creating just this cartoonish? You know, if Steve were here, he'd be talking about, you know, the, the World Economic Forum guy, Klaus, whatever his name is. Schwab. That guy is so cartoonish to me. Like he's not a real supervillain. Like it's just, it's 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 a farce. It's a parody. It's a diabolical inversion. It just seems like they're they're trying to break down our minds, our brains. 
Well, they are. In fact, we are very much survivors. Uh, those of us who have not taken the jab or have wisened up after the first one or whatever the, the story, your story happens to be. We are the survivors of a you know 75 week propaganda campaign that began with Operation Warp Speed, right? Endless, endless propaganda to celebrities, to free donuts and free pizza and free, um, you know, free Krispy Kreme if you'll get the jab and all these sorts of things. So it is a massive propaganda campaign that has been unrolled. It's being unrolled by corporations. Everyone is in lockstep. So it is, in fact, being coordinated. Right. And, and I think that's undeniable, just looking at, at how it has come about in every country. Exact same thing. Celebrities, movie stars, uh, you know, what a free goodies. You put you in a lottery to win a million bucks. Right. And so but you notice how quickly it changed from, you know, from the carrot back to the stick. Oh, well, you know, free Krispy Kreme became you're going to lose your job. Right away, because not enough people took it. And I think they're still surprised by the number of people that have not gotten a jab or a booster or what have you. So, but it is, it is particularly malicious. It is particularly well planned. It's not as simple. Uh, and when you see, when you see the, uh, the clerics, especially, uh, principally the bishops, um, bishops since in the last 40 or so years haven't given us much reason to have uh, hope for a lot of intelligent thought. But um, then a lot of priests, too, even some people that I used to respect, they've gone hook, line, and sinker to the whole thing because there's a knee-jerk reaction to always trust authority, never to question authority. Now, obedience is one thing, you know, to obey an authority in their proper, you know, purview of, of uh, command, right, and, and their, the proper provenance from which they can command you. But when it comes to, uh, oh, he's, he said this, and, and you look at the number of things like a certain from the legionaries of Satan, again, always saying, hey, why don't you people trust the USCCB and, and the Pope and the CDF? It's like, wait a minute. So the same document you keep telling us to trust says that, that these jabs can never be mandatory. And you want us to trust the same Vatican that um, overlooked the crimes of the founder of your order, Marcio Masio de Degolato. We've mentioned him a billion times. Satanist, pedophile rapist, right? The founder of Father Schneider's order. And yeah, so we're supposed to trust the Vatican that looked the other way. Well, they had credible stuff about what he was doing. We're supposed to trust the USCCB, which has covered up and covered up abuse in this country, you know, from the, you know, for 50, 60 years, right? We're supposed to trust that too. Yes, we're going to trust them all. That, that defies, uh, it defies credulity that anyone could rest upon the mere appeal to authority to these institutions. I think I think that this is all part of the communist um, revolution, James. I think I think uh, part of implementing communism is to break down your mind, and in particular, to sever the relationship between your senses, which is how you experience objective reality, and your mind. So, in other words, you have to disbelieve your eyes, what your eyes see. This is a mostly peaceful protest. Um, these these face sacramentals work. Um, we have to cancel school. So you, they, they have to repeat these things that you can see on the news in the background are wrong. This is, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Meanwhile, in the same news report, they tell you, like at Cornell University, where there was an outbreak that 100% of the kids are vaccinated and, and most of them are boosted. But, but implementing communism, communism is on its face so absurd that you have to disbelieve your own brain and your own senses 
in order for it to work. And so I think that's what's happening. It's a mass psychosis. You're absolutely right. Um, we have seen this uh, through George Orwell's 1984. And at this point, you know, it's so obvious to everybody what's going on. Uh, they create uh, stories out of thin air. Uh, they know you do not believe it, but they have to keep saying it because they know <laughs> if they stop, then the gamut will be up. You know, uh, everybody who's buying into this stuff right now, you know, it, it, for them, I don't understand a way out because once you're hooked on this, then you're following the ever-changing narrative. And this kind of creates that disconnect that you're talking about because now it's like, well, uh, he says jump now, I must jump. He says sit, I must sit. If you've ever, ever seen this, I mean, you, you make a very good point. Have you seen this movie? I think, I believe it's called, um, I could get it wrong. It's called Cardinal. It's with um, Alec Guinness. Uh, he plays, it. yeah, he plays uh, a cardinal who's arrested in, in prison, basically, in that uh, communism world you know, from where he comes. And he is basically tortured out of his mind not with the tools of torture that we are, you know, uh, known to see in the movies. Basically, they make him think he's crazy, make him think he's making things up, make him think he's not seeing and hearing things as they actually are. And that's kind of the, that's kind of what the politicians are doing. These uh, scientists, that's what they're all doing. That's what the media is doing right now. So yeah. if you don't, if you don't go along with the narrative, you are, in fact, the one who is without proper use of the senses. Mm-hmm. Let, let's uh, examine the philosophy for a second, Brother Martin, uh, just because on the rundown, we're realists, we're Thomistic realists, and we do believe that you experience reality through your senses. We reject Descartes, we reject modernism, immanentism, and uh, all of the, all of the uh, derivatives and up, upstring, integral, whatever philosophies thereof. Um, these people are not realists. They, they, they're not, they don't they want you to disbelieve what your eyes see, what your ears hear. They don't want you to believe the reality that you are experiencing. It's really hard. It's really hard to say in this sense that we all have a tendency to want to reduce everything to just one single ism. Like the main problem in the world today is just one ism. It really isn't. It's 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 a it's a salad of all, all sorts of isms. We we coming from you mentioned Descartes, and Descartes was the first. I mean, he, he's famous for his doubt, um, and doubting really the senses. And between him and Francis Bacon, whose famous saying was "Knowledge is power," both of their philosophies really changed the human being to to, to view a human being more as a machine with the body and soul duality, the soul separate from from the body. Um, and, and especially Sir Francis Bacon really want the only thing he wanted to do when he when he when he did science when he when he studied when he philosophized or whatever was to was to try to find a way to control nature, and so here you have like um, the birth of the philosophy behind contraception, for instance, where we try to instead of um, order our passions and according to right reason, try to mm. use our knowledge to invent something so that we can we can be in charge of nature so that we don't have to obey the natural law. And and so this is one of the philosophies that that is imbued in in um, today is the fact that we our souls really who knows if they who knows if, if the people that we're against believe in a soul or don't believe in a soul what they do believe is a human body and they believe that we can define what that hu- human actually is so you have like transgenderism L- LGBTQ 
LGBTQ ideology, everything. Um, so th there's a lot of isms that are, that are kind of floating around today that you can kind of, we have to sit back and analyze what ism is this exactly? Is it a new thing? Is it an old thing? Um, all that kind of stuff. But what's for sure, it, it's godless. Um, it sees man as a machine, not as an eternal, not having an eternal soul. Um, it wants to reject the natural law and it wants to impose on everybody just a, a totalitarian society where the, the elite, uh, the enlightened gets and govern all, all the peons, all the peasants that are, that are below who, and, and so one of the things that they have to do is to destroy our belief in reason. And so it's kind of the opposite of what, um, you know, the idol of reason that was that was put on the altar of Notre, Notre Dame in the cathedral, which is ironically another uh, battleground today with, with with all the renovations they want to make when when the, the idol of reason was placed on the altar instead of instead of God um, in the cathedral of Notre Dame. And so now it's back then it was a rationalist that was a problem. Now it's the irrationalist that are the problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite an inversion. Um, OK, so speaking of reason and philosophy and, you know, the things that you should learn at school. We have to get to the groomers. These uh, Most people who watch the rundown are probably not in public school. The following three videos are going to affirm that decision for you. First of all, let's start with, uh, well, let's just start with this one. It's fun. Hi, here's some things my students have said slash done since I came out and changed my teacher name. You have a new name? Well, yes, it's a name that makes me a lot happier, and that's why I changed it. I like your new name. I do too, but it's nice to know I have your approval. Mix? You mean like mixing you up like cookie dough? If that's gonna help you remember it, yeah, cookie dough works. <laughs> Excuse me, Miss K, I need... It's Mix K! I did not ask them to do that. You guys are fifth grade, so I feel like I can tell you this a little bit more. Um, my new name is going to be Mix K, and I go by they and she pronouns. Yeah, Mr. is for boys and Mrs. for girls. Well, I go by Mix Logbog. What does that make me? Uh. Yep, my work here is done. Hi, Mix K. Um, can I talk to you when you're free? Yeah, of course, Sunshine. What's up? Um, I just wanted to tell you something. Yeah, of course, sweetheart. You can tell me anything. What is it? I, um, Sunshine, thank you so much for trusting me with this. Have you told anyone else? No, no one else. Well, I'm honored that you trust me with this, especially the first one to be trusted with this. This is your business. No one else has to know. I will not tell anyone, obviously, but. I, could, I, I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish it. It goes on. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in advance. Okay. Shout out to the people... chat though, because a lot there's a lot of hilarious, talented people in the chat. Delightful comments, comments on that. Free orca. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so the school teachers in the USSA, where where we're all four of us are broadcasting from, are revered in hushed tones of of reverence, uh, as as really like the almost the communion of saints. They are the untouchables. They used to be that until, you know, the healthcare workers took over in the, in the COVIDian era. But school teachers can do no wrong. They are not to be questioned. And they can do whatever they would like with your children. Here's how they're treated in Canada, though. Um, look at how degrading this is. 
this is these are school teachers that are just collecting one dollar bills, and it's like a big it's, it's a big thing, and it's an ice hockey rink, and people are like, that how they get their salary? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that how Canadians pick up their salary? <laughs> We're right. scaling to the American dollars, right? <laughs> I think they've, lo- they've lost the plot here. Right? Are these people sacrosanct, or are they just performers? Um, okay, now this one's really sad. This is a this is a mother who shows up to a school board meeting, and she says, "You." change the pronouns of my kid. You coach my kid to change the pronouns. You did this without my consent. Let these teachers come in and act as if they have nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. A mistake? How long of a mistake? How many mistakes are we going to take before my child almost lost her life? They didn't tell me that my child was suicidal. You allowed these teachers to open their classrooms teaching predatorial information to a young child, a mindful child that doesn't even know how to comprehend it all. How do you not know what was going on on your own campuses? Did you think that no parent would ever come forward? You will not quiet me today. I will stand here today and protect my child along with every other child who has not come forward yet. Do you, do you, do they have psychiatry degrees that I was unaware of? Because I didn't hire them. Okay, I did not hire them to sit there and nitpick my child's brain. You took away my ability to parent my child. Even before I had any knowledge. I didn't even get to show support. You asked for support, I didn't get a chance. You planted seeds, Ms. Caldera and Ms. Baraki, Mr. Baraki and you, Ms. Pagarin. Your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do mine. They assumed assumed that my child needed your aid and resources. They pushed it in the face. And tonight, I will stick up for her. Ms. Caldera, you're guilty. Ms. Baraki, you're guilty. You changed her personal documentation, her gender, her name, her email. I authorized an AKA added to her attendance because I wanted to be supportive. But guess what? She's allergic to bees. Her medical record says a birth name, and you changed it. Who administers that now? Not everything. Not me. You guys did this on your own accountability, and you've gone too far. They downgraded me in front of my child and allowed me to question myself as a mother. You sat there and told me how my child was going to be. And then you wrapped your hands around her while I sat across the table and cried. Because you thought you could be there better than I, and I never got a chance. She was scared to even say anything. Your guys' voice were heard, not hers. Um, okay, so I, uh, first of all, yes, this is in California. Yes, this woman is now a domestic terrorist, according to uh, the, the, you know, the new FBI. Um, and I.e. the Gestapo. Yes, <clears throat> And yes, I can't tell if this is a Protestant church or a cafeteria um, I, or an auditorium of some kind. Um, or a Nova Cerdo Catholic Church. It could be. It could be a bogus order. Um, right. The, right. Thing, the thing that I, I'm, I'm failing to distinguish here is we homeschoolers, we Catholic schoolers, let's say, we run down crew are such a tiny, tiny minority. Like, imagine what all the children in this country are being exposed to, James. Day after day after day, they're having their pronouns changed. They're having their teachers come out to them. Um, they're, you know, it's, it's, it's critical race theory. It's 
Um, it's yeah. disinformation. It's misinformation. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see how we turn the tide around on this current generation. It's it's lost. I mean, uh, don't get upset at me out there, parents. It really is lost since 1980. I mean, think, think about this. The Department of Education came into uh, existence in 1980 under Carter, just before Reagan got in office. And part of his campaign uh, promise was to get rid of the Department of Education. And guess what happens? You know, 41 years later, it's still around. Okay. Now, if you're taking your kids to public school, you're basically giving them carte blanche to do with your children whatever they will. Right. So you have this idea that you're turning your kids in in the morning and you're going to get them back to you in the afternoon reformed. That's exactly what this is. And so you have a, a parent now who is uh, besides herself wondering how this could have happened. This is exactly what's happening. You know, they take your daughters to them. They, they basically educate them in the way uh, to use their bodies, uh, you know, and I'm not going to go into that here, but you can all catch the meeting. Same thing with your, with, with your sons. You know, they're handing out things, uh, various paraphernalia that your sons shouldn't be seeing. So if you are out there still confused as to what's happening, this is a train that's heading in one direction. It's not going back. It's going to keep heading out this way. Once they realize they have control of the school board, you know, or they have control over the uh, school district, it's, 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 it's over, you know. So what are you going to do to reclaim um, your child back? It's too late if you're yelling at the school board, you're yelling at them, you know, uh, to try to fix mm-hmm. things. They're staring at you like nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. That's exactly what they're, they're basically saying, well, you pay your taxes. You pay us to do a certain job. And this is what we're doing. Unfortunately, yeah. that's what the case is. Ryan, I think, I, you know, uh, I think there's a tendency amongst traditionalists to become triumphalists. And part of that is because all of our churches are packed to the gills. We're standing room only. It's easy to believe that we're bigger than we really are, especially within the context of the greater Catholic Church. And then you start to lose perspective, especially if you start to live in little Catholic bubbles um, on what the rest of the world is actually like, what society is like, and what our children are being taught from coast to coast. This is really a sobering thought, isn't it? It should be. And the thing is, too, there <clears throat> you need to have a little bit of mercy as well, because there's a temptation to, to say, um, and I did see a couple of people in the chat say this, and I fully understand why you're saying it. Hey, what's wrong with these people? Why aren't they pulling their kids out of school? Um, to understand the enormity of that for a normie person, for somebody who's just, hey, I went to school, my parents went to school, my grandparents went to school, etc., and now be confronted with this when you're working two jobs, because being just part of the world, the status quo as things are, you're not red-pilled trad. You're like, oh, no, no, I need to be at home taking care of my kids and, and homeschooling. Um, you know, that they haven't had their red-pill moment the way we have, right? So that's the first thing to take note of is we need to have some mercy for these people and also pray they will wisen up and say, you know, I can do it. I can take my kids out of this stinking communist school system. I can bring, you know, bring them out and we, we can do this, but it, it, it takes that moment. So best thing, you know, we can do is, it, I mean, work on people we know. I've been in the public school systems uh, as well as private school uh, as, a, as a teacher way back, uh, you know, dealing with parents and their worlds are, were completely different from, from mine at the time. And, you know, and so I understand, you know, 
the, the, the shock to suddenly go and find out, hey, this stuff's going on in school. Why aren't they teaching uh, the stuff that we're, they're supposed to be teaching? Why are they, they messing up my kid? So, but I think one of the greater tragedies here, uh, it, not even that the parents are not completely getting it and pulling their kids out, but that every single person on that school board, you know, sitting there is like, this woman's whack. They, they, they're not even paying attention because they are in a different world from the parents as different of a world as they are from us. And so, um, yeah, I don't want to grandize too much, but no, but uh, you actually bring up a really good point, Ryan, and I'm going to play this video. I, I believe that Tucker Carlson watches the rundown. I know that Tucker consumes all kinds of alternative media. He watched our rundown episode last week, and this is what he said about it. Why can't you afford a house right now? Simple, because Washington printed too much money. No one should be surprised by this. It's a cycle as old as money itself. Political leaders devalue the currency for short-term gain. In the end, this leads to long-term collapse. Debasing the coinage, that's what they used to call it. For example, by the middle of the third century, the Roman denarius, the silver coin, was only about 2% actual silver. The rest of it was just junk. Within a few years, not incidentally, the entire Roman Empire blew up and the barbarians took over. Well, that's that's exactly what I said. So, Brother Martin, um, <laughs> Ryan alluded to the fact that economically, a lot of people can't homeschool or they think they can't homeschool. Um, the dollar has been debased and, and inflation is an insidious secret tax that we all pay. We talked about that last week. You should definitely catch that discussion if you missed out on it. So... You know, like what Ryan said, my great grandparents went to public school. My grandparents went to public school. My parents went to public school. They all turned out okay. Why can't I send my kids to public school? Because all of us have to work. All of us need two jobs. But do we? Your primary vocation as a parent is is the uh, is the education of your children. Uh, you go to work and make money to meet the temporal needs of your children. I said needs, not wants, but needs. Um, the two income trap is, is in America, we have this tendency to believe that all of our needs are, we, you know, we need entertainment. We need a new flat screen TV. We need one bedroom per person. We need, we need a lot of things. Um, we, we've, we've lived a very comfortable lifestyle, um, kind of bigger than what your grandparents, what your great grandparents, all the people that you listed that went to public school, a more comfortable lifestyle than they ever existed. They probably lived in a two, three bedroom house with, with eight, 10, 10 other siblings, et cetera. Um, but we have, I mean, on average, in the United States, two, two kid, two kids per family. And, and still we need like, you know, 20, 20 rooms in a house, a mansion, you know, so we, we definitely have a different standard of living that um, we feel like we have to match up, uh, with all of our peers to provide for our kids. Um, that makes us feel like we have to have two two parents per household working jobs. That's not necessarily the case. Um, I know a family, an eight-person family, that recently downsized to a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house, and they're making it work. Um, it's about your priorities. It is about priorities. It's about making sacrifices. By the way, only a demon could turn something uh, noble and charitable like that into something terrible. Only a demon. Um, so anyway. Um, all right. I got to open my phone here because that is I, – I wrote notes on how this show is going to go. Sometimes we <laughs> actually write notes. A lot of times we don't write notes. But today we did. And after we talk about the teachers and grooming – oh, yes, the soccer players. Oh, yeah. 
Ryan, I totally stole your joke for the intro. Uh, I can't breathe was was a prediction. It was a prediction. Every single week now, we're going to have an I can't breathe segment. Here's this week's. Todo tapado. Pero no hay calefacción ahí en la cabina, Vito. Y evidentemente no debe estar funcionando porque parecía que estaba en Siberia, Spalletti. This guy is 24 years old. He's good, Why too. Why is he having chest pain? Zelensky, he's, he's, uh, he plays a player for Napoli. He's, he's on Pol- Poland's national team. Um, Na- Napoli has, has risen up in the rankings in the Serie A in Italy, uh, top four going into the Champions League. These players are the top players in the world, the, the fittest human beings that exist. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're having all these issues. And there's only one one difference before bef- before the lockdowns and now that is making all these issues. These issues. Yeah, exactly. They, they, I think they even said it. I don't speak Italian, but I heard them say vaccination. I, I don't know. In, the, in that little clip, maybe I imagined that. I didn't catch um, that, but <clears throat> I'll listen later and let you know. So here, here's the thing, Ryan. I, the, especially in, this, in the types of sports that are really aerobic. Soccer is aerobic. Basketball is aerobic. Your average soccer player, your average basketball player runs like 10 miles in a game. Um, football is very anaerobic in your aerobic sports. You are seeing the fittest human beings on the planet just keel over. And it's now normal. It's part of the new normal. This is, and and they think that we're not supposed to react to this. This goes back to the disconnect between our senses and when, and reality. Right. And that's the problem because the media and the, and the, the Covidians have created their own reality ever since day one. Uh, when, as soon as they started imbibing the propaganda and, and they made it their reality. So now you look at something like with the athletes, I don't know what it is, how many athletes it's, it's a staggering number where it's like seven, nine, you know, athletes that had serious heart conditions in like the past couple of years. And now it's 167 or even a higher number than that. I saw in other places. Um, and so we'll just take that number. Wait a minute. So how do we have, I mean, that's thousands of percents of increase over uh, the average for like the last decade of, of uh, these you know, athletes having heart problems. Like I see they retire and they have problems at 60 because they wore their bodies out or something, but they're in their twenties. They're in their mid twenties. They're at the peak of life. They should not have these problems. Now one guy had it, two guys had it. Well, Whatever, but this many athletes to the point where they're now trying to say it's normal. No, 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 no. There is a correlation that suggests a causation. And there's only one thing all of these people have in common, but we're not allowed to say that, of course. So, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. it. You've made a new reality. So you're going to ignore the, the numbers in your face in order to continue to uphold the narrative. And that's it. That's the mind blowing thing, James, is you're not allowed to say what is true. We can all see it. We all know exactly what's happening. But if we say it, this video will go away. This channel will go away. This apostolate will go away. If you say what's actually happening. It's it's mind boggling, really. And it, just as Ryan was saying, I mean, when I was a little kid, I remember we had a star athlete back, uh, you know, in the country of my birth, we had a star athlete, um, very young, promising man, absolute soccer. He's playing European League out there. And uh, one one uh, season, he comes back in 88, he comes back home, and he collapses on the field. 
it, it's a national shutdown. You know, people are not sure what's happening. There's inquiries into what's going on here and there. It was a big thing, right? But it happened. That was the first time I had ever seen something like that ever happen. Few and far between. Fast forward to 2021. Now we're seeing this happening. They're saying, wait a second. You know, this is, you know, this has to be normal. Since a lot more people are doing it, maybe it's just the new normal. We'll just sell it as new normal. And there's really nothing to see here. It's inconceivable that something like this is happening. And people are just kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying, well, you know, it, it you know, it's kind of normal. Um, if we try to draw a correlation between what was happening in mid-2021, which was a lot of people basically going on the microphone, on the microphone and saying, hey, you know, I like vaccines, you know, go get vaccines, go get shot, you know, basketball players, soccer players, football players being used by politicians to basically sell this stuff. We can't draw that correlation. And that's a very, very sad thing, you know? Um, I, I mean, I don't know what to make of a culture or a society where people can't ask simple questions. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't question the narrative. Um, he, here's a video of some folks who have tried to question the narrative in, uh, in New York, the Big Apple. They tried to go to an Applebee's, which itself may or may not be an arrestable offense in itself. <laughs> but let's just give them a pass, all right? They wanted to go to Applebee's maybe to, like, I don't know, like sort of like visiting a zoo or something. Um, but they didn't have their vaccine passports. This is what happened to them. This is what you guys do. Brother Martin, there are now parts of Canada where you can no longer attend mass if you don't have your vaccine passport. You cannot have sacraments if you don't have your vaccine passport. This is something that we predicted here on the rundown a year ago. We were called conspiracy theorists for saying it. We were we were um, ramrodded on Twitter and in social media. People said that we were kooks, that we were insane. We were the first and only Catholic outlet to say that it was happening. Ryan said it, Steve said it, you said it, I said it. James, I know you said it in real life, but you weren't on the rundown at that point. The fact of the matter is, is that that will be the new normal. Uh, everybody is behind that. Um, Pope Francis is behind that. Nobody's going to stop that from spreading. That's the true virus. Um, are we conspiracy theorists? I mean, are we, or are we just, are we just witnessing what is happening with some common sense? We're witnessing what is happening with some common sense, but also have the courage um, to know that salus animarum lex suprema est, that the highest law is, is, is the good of, it's for the salvation of souls. I'd like to remind people that in, in the 1920s in Mexico, and whenever President Calles was enacting unjust laws in the Constitution of Mexico against the Catholic Church, like forbidding them uh, from wearing their religious garments or cassocks, et cetera, out in public, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the way the bishops in Mexico decided to respond was to cancel the sacraments. Mm. You know, we, we think that it was the government that canceled the sacraments. No, it was the bishops that canceled the sacraments in response to the government's unjust measures. 
which later on John Paul II, as Pope when he visited Mexico, asked them to make them officially on a fort, unenforced. But nonetheless, it was the bishops' uh, reaction. And so, what was what was the people's reaction? Well, they did it with what they did over in Europe in the 1930s when they knew that the war was coming. Was everybody that wanted to get married hurry up and got married? You know, long lines for marriage, et cetera, et cetera. But nonetheless, someone like Blessed Miguel Pro was doing something that was against the what the bishops uh, required, demanded. Um, and, and we forget that the fact that these courageous priests at the time were, were being dis disobedient to provide the sacraments to the people of God. And today we think that, that laseity, that obeying the bishop is, is the ultimate, the only thing you need to do to get into heaven. You don't need to fast. You don't need to pray. You don't need to live a virtuous life. As long as you obey the bishop, and the bishop doesn't know who you are, but as long as you obey the bishop, then it's like a free ticket into heaven, a, you know, highway to heaven or whatever. It's not. We have we have in, in our history examples of those who disobeyed their bishops in order to bring salvation to the people, to, to in order to bring Christ to people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of us are 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 so easy in our comfortable life with sacraments being right down the street from us. We just go over to the nearest parish, et cetera, et cetera. We demand that father drop everything in his life to go and give us the sacraments, et cetera, et cetera, which in itself, I mean, it's his vocation, but in a sense, I don't know if we're demand, we're asking him to live his vocation or if we're just asking for the convenience. I don't know if you guys know what I mean. Um, we're just so used to, to when we demand it, we get it. You know, we, we want a movie, we go to Netflix, we get it. We want uh, popcorn, just go to the cupboard and we get it. anything we want immediately. We want, we get it. Um, and we, I think we've, we've had that same attitude towards the sacraments. Um, and, and it's kind of conflicted with, 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 with the reality. And so both for, for priests and for laity, um, it's, a, it's a time now that, that we need to be courageous against these unjust measures of, of our bishops demanding something unnecessary in mass in order to receive Jesus Christ. I mean, that's in order to receive his forgiveness in, in, in the confessional, you can demand a mask really. Um, it, it, it's insane. James, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm scandalized by what brother Martin just said. Yeah. I have it on good. Yeah. I have it on good authority that the bishops are better Catholics than we are. <laughs> right. I've, so I've seen know, that in writing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm utterly ashamed that it, it has to come down to us calling out on this, on, on uh, this uh, platform of brother, Catholic, uh, you know, bishops are better Catholics than uh, the lady. Don't you know? I mean, don't look at the scandals that are happening out there with bishops getting married and all of that. Don't look at the uh, drug fueled, you know, uh, H word stuff that's going on in Rome. Don't look at that. You know, how dare you point them out for what they're doing? No, he's actually right. He's, he's very right. You know, we're in a time now when, um, you know, we need, uh, that courageous uh, spirit to lift us up into doing what we have to do in a time like this. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm optimistic uh, of that Catholic spirit, but it's still sort of um, lying in latency. You know, it's not been fully, uh, it's not being fully utilized. So I encourage everyone out there to basically wake up, you know, uh, start going through, uh, or rather understand that all the things that you have right now, the, all the convenience, you know, it's a, it's, it's fleeting. It's, it's going to pass. And so if you don't have a spirit of sacrifice, you're going to have a spirit of, uh, you know, uh, fasting, you, you know, it's going to be hard to do the things that need to be done when the time comes. Ryan, um, Pope Francis said that we have an unfair expectation that our bishops are saintly. That that's just, that's an unfair thing for us to expect. 
Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's unfair. I mean, it seems like a, a, a reasonable request if you're going to don the miter, um, you know, that you actually, that you believe the faith. I don't know. I mean, is that, is, is that, am I crazy? There's a difference between expecting someone to be perfect and expecting them to fulfill their office in the way in which the, the, the church Christ and the church expect, um, they historically, and I mean the universal church, not the current uh, powers that shouldn't be in the church. So in, in reality, I mean, a bishop is a human being. He's going to fall. He's going to make bad calls. He's also going to make good ones. And that, that's just the reality of the situation. But we have such a crop of bishops. It's like they all secretly go to a special school where they get trained how to be <clears throat> the most boring, uh, lousy <laughs> Speakers that say the most drab and useless things because every single bishop it's almost always the same thing even some of the good ones end up saying things the same way so but the bigger thing is i, I believe the context of the holy father's words were in regard to the archbishop of paris that is alleged to have some touchy-feely with some woman or something like that i don't know um i think we should expect our bishop if he in fact i don't know that the, the, the details of that case he may actually be innocent of that for all I know. I really don't. Um, but we should expect our bishops, if, if what's alleged he did that he did it, to not be putting their hands on women in, in certain ways. Or he just saw, for example, the, um, the youngest bishop in Spain is marrying uh, a woman. He's 52, and he's married. he just married a woman that is the author of Satanic Erotica. Okay, and so this bishop will retain the title of bishop, but he's he's been suspended, so he's not going to exercise it in the office now. Wait, bishop wait, wait, what? Uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I think we could expect that bishops who do things like that get excommunicated or maybe uh, burned at the stake. I don't know. Um, wait, is that true? The bishop emeritus? That's what he's going to go by? Or just he's, yeah, oh, he's going to go absolutely. by bishop emeritus. Yep. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. That means he still gets his pension. Yes, he still gets his pension. <laughs> He's yeah, married and right. he gets his how's pension. A man, how's, a man, how's a man supposed to support his family if he doesn't have a pension, brother? Right? <laughs> it's, it, it's in canon law that the church can literally strip you of your pension. That's the only reason why atheists, priests who become atheists stay priests okay. is the fact Here's that they get their question. pension. Here's a question. Right. Yeah. Is, it, is it better for a bishop to marry a satanic woman or to marry a dude? <laughs> I don't know if I could just they're both bad, but I I've gotta say the first one is at least natural. Uh <laughs> no less evil. Right. In, That's in what I was saying. Like, well, if you want to put it this way, it's like <laughs> yeah, this is one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't uh, answers because people will take it the it's wrong like, way, which, but there are layer, great, right. Which say, level of hell rabbit. yeah, which level of hell does yeah. Does, you know that's basically <laughs> what, right. that's basically what it comes down oh, to. Oh my god. <laughs> right. Um, he's in the special okay. hell. Well, we, okay, all right, fine. We can't expect our we can't expect our bishops to speak as clearly as this bishop spoke uh, many years ago. The new religion is very seductive. It's very soft and sweet and sticky, and it's easy to go with it and then and lose the Catholic faith. You have a new and different faith, a happy clappy faith where everybody is nice, everybody is sweet, that nobody has original sin. The only sin that's still left is Nazi sin. That's the new religion. And Hitler is the devil. Uh, the, um, 
The six million are the Redeemer, which means that the Jewish people are God. That's the religion today. And that's deadly, absolutely deadly. It's got nothing to do with the Catholic faith, except that it's a clever imitation of the Catholic faith. Because you get Auschwitz instead of Golgotha, and the, and the gas chamber instead of the cross. That's deadly. But ask yourselves, what is the real religion of people today? What's the real religion of the state today? Can I blaspheme our Lord Jesus Christ? Does anybody worry? No problem. Blaspheme as much as you like. Can I blaspheme against the Holocaust by saying that there were no gas chambers? Horror, horror, horror. Burn him at the stake. He's a heretic. There you can see what is the real religion of the government today, of politics today, and of the mass of people today. And it's not the Catholic religion. And the conciliar religion is sliding in that direction. Be very... Well, it's been fun, guys. <laughs> this has been so nice. I really enjoyed this. This has been a great hobby. Tremendous. This is my last um, cigar. This is my last cigar. <laughs> outside of outside of the fact, look, I, Bishop Williamson is not my bishop. I will, you know, I I don't know. I, rest in oh, thank you, Mrs. C. Rest in peace. But but there's some truth to what he says in his condemnation of the religion of the world and the religion of the world is an anti-religion and he spoke about it in in certain terms that i'm i won't speak about but but i will speak about the religion of the world in terms of the covid religion and the you know the the the, the sacred people are the you know the healthcare workers they have their own liturgy they have their own um they have their own theology they have their own ecclesiology. Uh, little Fauci is is you know basically their their pope. He's 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 at the at the at the peak of of their religion. If you want to know what the religion of the world is today, deny the efficacy of the jab. If you want to know what the religion of the world is today, you know take the uh, the, the the Fauci sacramental off your face. So I, I think that the logic of what he was saying certainly applies, and and maybe what what he was saying is um, is 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 true as well. But I mean, how many bishops in the in the world, let alone the United States, in the world, would see this for what it really is? And I just leave that open to anyone who wants to jump in. I know everyone is like, uh, well, okay, I'll I'll jump in since you know I'm whatever anyway so what i'm going to say is this <laughs> what i'm going to say is this you know we and we, we we talk about this all the time we talk about how um people are being accused of certain things when they speak freely right so not even necessarily uh speaking against something per se but speaking freely about a subject now we can go in one regard we can talk about jordan peterson for instance you know, asking questions, you know, and then being uh, targeted as this believer in this or that, you know, I'm not talking about what he said recently about the jabs, but other things in the past and asking questions. Once you ask question in a way that basically uh, puts a cloud over the narrative, then it becomes a problem because then you're casting 
doubt in what they're trying to pull others into. Now, this is a dangerous thing. Obviously, it's a very dangerous thing. You know, whatever whatever it is anyone has doubt in, I don't have a problem with that. You know, we can always uh, sit down and argue uh, like gentlemen about things that we disagree on. But if you come to me and basically tell me, you know, uh, I have to act a certain way that goes against my faith belief, then that's a problem. Then I'm going to have a problem with you and with what you're saying. And I'll speak freely about that issue. And I think the bishops today, what they're doing is they're cowering away from uh, the real subject. You know, you know, when you cower away from having a true discussion about things that are basically uh, in the air, then you're not giving the people underneath you, the faithful, the support they need because they have questions. And if you're saying, well, the person at CNN said this or President Biden said this or uh, mm -hmm. Fauci said this. You know, that's not enough for the lady who do have genuine questions and want to have some sense that you are standing with them. I don't know. My thoughts. You bring up a great point. I think it's it's this, is that as, as fathers, you all know that you have temporal needs that you have to make sure that your kids have, you know, you're, you're, you, you have to provide for your children, material things, food, shelter, et cetera, et cetera. What we expect of our bishops and our priests is to be more concerned about spiritual things. I mean, you guys are concerned about spiritual things if you're in, in informing your kids in the Catholic faith. But we expect our priests and our bishops to be heavier on the side of spiritual things than on the temporal things, even though they do have some administrative duties um, regarding keeping up the parish, et cetera, et cetera. I think what we find, however, is that bishops and priests are heavier on the temporal than on the spiritual. Um they're more concerned about le there, there being enough bank in the parish's bank account or the diocesan funds, et cetera, et cetera, than they aren't actually actually teaching our faith. It's like prayer and, and the faith come secondhand. Um, it's an afterthought almost. And it's not what we expect from them. They, they, they need some, we need something completely different from them. To answer a, a question, I guess, that we, that we just spoke about, Aquinas said that, St. Thomas Aquinas said that uh, to, to be ordained a priest, you need to already be in the illuminative way. What is the illuminative way? It's one of the, the three stages of, this, in the, of the interior life. The purgative way is where we still commit mortal sins. The illuminative way is where we no longer commit mortal sins. And purgative way is, is actually something that God gives to us rather than what we're able to attain by our own, by our own efforts. Um, I don't think that's the standard anymore today in our seminaries, especially. I mean, some, the word seminary comes from um, the Latin word seed because seeds are supposed to be given to us to to live our vocation um, and, and endure whatever we have to endure, I mean, spiritually, to give us the, the spiritual tools that we need to, to live our vocation. Uh, but now, nowadays, I mean, I mean, seminarians and, and seminary watch Netflix, binge watch Netflix, all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't seem that the, the same, there's the same criteria today for, for Novus Ordo seminarians as, as there were back in the day, um, I mean, tr traditionally. And so, I mean, we really are getting a different kind of, a different kind of priest. It's, it's not the same priest anymore. It's, it's a priest that's allowed to be immature. It's a priest that's allowed to be uh, unformed. It's a priest that's just there to just do, do a job, to fill a hole, to fill a gap, uh, and just to keep enough money in the bank to keep the parish in the black, and that's it. Here, here's the a follow-up question for you, brother, or Ryan. Maybe you can jump in on it. Sorry, Mike. I'm going to cut you off for a second. Here's a question for uh, either, either Ryan or brother. Do you think the priest today have a different understanding of what it means to be an alter Christus? 
I, I think very few <laughs> would know what that means in the sense that you said it in Latin. <laughs> um, but it's true. Whenever I hear a priest, for instance, that became a diocesan priest, celebrated the Novus Ordo, et cetera, and when he discover, discovers the traditional Latin Mass, one of the the most common thing I hear is the fact that the traditional Latin Mass changed what his idea was of being an altar Christus. Because, I mean, the, the, the other phrase, altar Christus, ipse Christus, and another Christ, Christ himself. Um, they don't technically understand that they're supposed to be what Christ was in the situation where they are. You know, a sort of priest typically think they're supposed to be some sort of performer um, to yeah. co- communicate God's mercy. And, and some, they don't they don't really understand that they're supposed to be him. They're the, supposed to be the sacrifice in the sense that the laity is supposed to unite their sacrifices to the priest. And the priest in persona Christi is supposed to live the very sacrificial life that Jesus Christ lived himself. They don't understand that. They just think it's it's, it's like a, a carrying on in the mission of, of there's some there's there's completely detached from Christ. They're, they're another person. They're, they're separated in a sense. They're not in persona Christi. They're just separated. They know the theological term in persona Christi because that's how we sac- explain the sacraments in the sense of how they were able to, to confect sacraments. But they don't actually understand that, that when they're in their office doing their work, they're still in persona Christi. They're supposed to be another Christ. When they when they go walking on the street to the you know driving their car and stop out of a guest, they're in persona Christi. They're supposed to be another Christ, an altar Christus. Um, I don't I don't think they don't, if they understood that they'd wear the cassock. Pure and simple. I wouldn't say absolutely every Novus Ordo priest has no concept of it, but I would say in general, the general idea of the formation, the general idea, of the way things come down, especially the, the, what Rome would like to see, would more or less have the priest as a social worker. And you've met, we've all met priests like that. They have no concept of their sacred office. They have no concept of uh, what what ordination really does to them. They have no no real idea of it. So, but there are a good number of Novus Ordo priests, especially younger, more conservative ones, have been reading all the older books that say the mass as conservatively as they possibly can. They usually do have that concept and that understanding. And so you don't see them, uh, especially if they really understand what it is, you you don't see them publicly boasting about playing video games and uh, playing them, you know, being on these various video game accounts until late at night with unmarried women and things like that, like Mm -hmm. certain priests that are online boasting about these things. Uh, They they might play one or two at some point just for the the blue steam or whatever, who cares? But they're not out there boasting about it, making a big deal about it. Or again, I've got a couple friends who are Novus Ordo priests, and we met, might have had at some point some discussions about the tradition. One we definitely did in college, and I left it alone. Congratulated them on their ordinations. We talked, you know, I did, didn't bring it up again because I knew it's like we we kind of had that out. They'll come to it eventually, and so I left it alone. And they did come to it eventually. Every single one of them. Finally, they started saying the traditional mass. They said, wow. And, and uh, I got a text from one of them. You know, we used to argue about this stuff, but you were right. There are problems with the new mass. So you, you let them, they'll see it on their own and you don't have to come in and get it. And once they do see it, they'll realize the sacredness of their calling. But, um, you know, but by and large, you know, I think that the, the priest that the non-rigid priest, that's the uh, emblem of accompaniment and such things. He's not going to understand the term of, the, of an altar Christus. He's going to think of himself as uh, <laughs> you know, social worker with a collar on backwards or something. There, there's been um, a debate on Catholic Twitter. I, I hate to bring Catholic <laughs> Twitter into like the real world here. Because it's because not. It's such, a, it's such a weird microcosm <laughs> of... of of just a small collection of doofuses. But there was a huge debate that sort of like ripped open 
And I want to bring this debate into here. And, and I didn't announce that I was going to do this, and I'm totally throwing a curveball at you guys. And I don't know what you're going to say. But the debate has been, uh, we're talking about Novus Ordo Priest, we're talking about the new mass, we're talking about Traditionis Casodas being really ruthlessly enforced. What I think we need to discuss, and I want to throw it to Brother Martin first, is the fact that there will be a global blackout during the Triduum of the traditional Latin mass that will almost assuredly come to us. And the question is, and and one person on Twitter, I don't know if it was a poll or just a comment that kind of went viral where he said, you can't fulfill your Sunday obligation going to the Novus Ordo. I, of course, will reserve my comments till the end based on, uh, and I'll let, I'll let the three of you talk, but but this was really a shockwave in Catholic Twitter. It, it drove a lot of people nuts. It caused some people to say, look, this is why these mean trads, this is why we had to have traditions because these mean trads say these things. As if Francis is like trying to police Catholic Twitter and he's releasing, you know, these, these, um, uh, these documents in, in response to Americans on, on Twitter. But it, it also sort of ignited this, this discussion about like, well, when is it okay to go to the Novus Ordo? Would I go to the Novus Ordo? Does it fulfill your commitment? Are all Novus Ordo priests, you know, uh, this, the same level of, you know, of, of cringe? And, and, I, and I think that this is a valuable discussion. And I don't quite know where I want to take this or where we're going to go with it, but I just kind of want to throw it out there. I want to throw it to you first, Brother Martin. Any of those things that I brought up, react to it. Well, there's a lot there. Um, I think St. Alphonsus Liguori said that, I mean, this is back in the day, in, in uh, Liguori's day, so it might not necessarily pertain to today, but one of the reasons he gives of a dispensation for a Sunday obligation is having to travel for more than an hour. Now, that was before cars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it... it, it explains that there's a certain amount of distance that that exists that where if you have to travel that amount of distance then um your, your obligation is a spence now we as trads we know people traveling two three hours on a sunday just to get to a latin mass and that that's a real testimony to their faith um but i know there's there's dioceses out there that don't have one uh novus ordo that's auto orientum not a single one and, and you ask you know how many illicit acts are going on in these irreverent novus ordos that would be a real detriment detriment to your to your kids' faith. I mean, kids they're they're very impressionable. Um, everything they take in from reality feeds their imagination. Um, when 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 they see priests acting ext- extremely irreverently at the altar, as if things don't matter, um, it'll affect their faith in the future. So so the question is is it is it better than to, for instance, uh, have a similar attitude towards the dissipation of if your kids were sick obviously you're dispensed from from going to, to mass on a holy day or, or, or sunday if they're like vomiting or whatever um if they're really going to lose their faith going to the novus order mass because of all the illicit things going on yeah of course you're dispensed it, the dispensation is, is very conditional in this sense it's not objective in the reality that, that rome did promulgate this right in which case it is a catholic right per se but because we know that so many priests take the freedom to do whatever they want in these Novus Ordo. The reality is that we can very 
seldom find a Novus Ordo Mass celebrated as Rome wants it to be celebrated or as the documents are written. Now, Rome, the people in Rome, bishops, etc., are perfectly fine with, with uh, I mean, there was a bishop I knew in a diocese that I was in that got up in the pulpit and said that the Acts of the Apostles is, is probably not inspired by God. That's perfectly, he could say that. And that was the same bishop that uh, had a problem with me, like in the Latin Mass. So you have to, you have to ask yourself, um, what is the real agenda? Is it safe for your kids to experience um, the, the priest's agenda celebrating the Novus Ordo? If you can find a Reverend Novus Ordo, that's a that's it's probably literally just literally one designated parish in the diocese, and and, and obviously de- designated like people know in the diocese that that's the designated parish for the only Reverend Novus Ordo. And so you have to just like, what is, what is this all about? This, this, is, this is all about agenda. Um, so I would also flip it over on the head and, and say, Canon 844 perfectly permits you to, to go to one of these separated brethren. Um, I mean, I, I know some people have been throwing it around Canon 844 um, recently because it's one that I personally have used. I, I, I had, I had a Twitter war with, with a guy who didn't want me, uh, didn't want me saying that you should, you should go to a set a parish or SSPX parish. Like, listen, if you, if you want to, uh, believe in Vatican II, all that kind of stuff. Vatican II completely opened the door in ecumenism. Uh, Vatican II is a reason for Canon 844 and, and, and going to these um, ir- irregular parishes that offer the traditional Latin Mass. It's perfectly fine canonically, perfectly fine. You can fulfill your Sunday obligation there. And so if you're if you're really concerned about the law and the fulfillment of the obligation, technically you can go to a Novus Ordo um, or technically you can go to another Catholic rite, whether it be regular or irregular. And it needs to be said, too, that when uh, Pope John Paul II had uh, revised the Code of Canon Law, that particular canon, now you can fulfill your Sunday obligation in any Catholic rite. Uh, the original draft was a licit Catholic rite, uh, that one that was licit. And he ordered the word licit to be taken out because he didn't want anyone to miss Mass on Sunday, but he felt you know, constrained to do so because the Mass may be illicit or whatever. He didn't want anything to prevent them from going. So that's that's the background there. Well, I heard this from someone who who used to work in, in Rome in the late eighties, early nineties. Is that Pope John Paul II himself? There was a, a, a monastic community of, of an Eastern Rite, uh, you know, Catholics in in Rome. They couldn't find a chaplain, and so Pope John Paul II assigned an Orthodox version of that rite to be their chaplain. I mean, this mm-hmm. is just what uh, JP two did, and this is the guy who revised the, the eighty three code. And so if, 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 well, I mean, there's a certain and, type of traditionalist. Oh, go ahead, Mike. And let's remember, James, that John Paul II, before he was elected Pope, when he was, um, when he was an archbishop, he ordained people illicitly, secret, underground, in order to preserve the faith because of the communist uh, wall. Um, right. So mm-hmm. I think that there... I, it gets a little dicey, this whole topic of, you know, what do you do? What are, what, are, what are your plans for Easter 2022? I mean, that's what it comes down to, because people don't understand. There will be a worldwide blackout of the traditional Latin mass in a public setting, Easter 2022. That is coming. Right. <clears throat> and, and here's what I want to say about that. I don't, I don't, and I want to be very careful. Uh, here's something we, we have to understand. The... Governments of the world are working in concert with your church leaders, right? They're using each other for a particular agenda. Now, if we kind of see where the trend is going with the shutdowns and the lockdowns, 
then it's very possible that your church leaders, our faith leaders are, are going to end up saying, hey, you know, in conjunction with what's going on around the world, we have to make sure we can manage this, uh, you know, the, the, you know, mass, uh, the way we see fit to be managed. That means all these, you know, contrivances people are creating to go to this Latin mass, we have to shut that down. We have to siphon people in through this one gate, okay? So they're going to make up various amounts of, uh, you know, excuses in order to prevent or rather to shut down the TLM so that people have to be forced into a Novosoto Triduum. That's kind of where I see this is going. Um, and like Brother was just saying, um, you know, there are all, the, all these uh, exceptions made in canon law in the Catechism of uh, the Catholic Church uh, using the argument of these people who are against going to other places. Well, you can look into the Catechism. It's right. It's, it's mentioned in there. It's written in there. That uh, you can go to, you know, separated brethren or other such uh, places in order to to fulfill that Sunday obligation. So which is it? You know, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I think that this is a good question. I mean, here, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing that people forget. Every single Novus Ordo Bishop in the world, including Strickland, Including uh, uh, what's his name in Portland? Including sample, um, sample. yeah, sample. Cordelioni, all, all all the all the quote unquote good ones. Every single one of them disregarded supposedly the third commandment during COVID. They locked down. They barred you from mass. They said you shall not pass. You will not enter here. And as far as I know, now I, I, I didn't I didn't check every single diocese and archdiocese in the world, but I was not aware, I was not made aware of any who released guidance, Ryan, on how to sanctify the Sunday, on how to fulfill your your obligation, your third commandment obligation with the absence of holy mass. So when we talk about the third commandment. And the Novus Ordites come at you and they say, oh, how dare you say you wouldn't go to a Novus Ordo Mass? Well, how seriously do you people actually take it? I mean, this is this is this goes to hypocrisy, which everybody hates hypocrisy. Yes and no. There's a distinction that has to be made in as much as the attendance at Mass on Sunday is an ecclesiastical precept. It's not <clears throat> going to Mass is not divine law because divine law was the Sabbath and that passes away with uh, Christ's death on the cross and the establishment of the church. Right in the in the setting aside of the old law, so and you can go to Alphonsus Liguori for this in his commentary on the third commandment that is actually translated and he says very clearly and he cites the the, the moralist on this that. Uh, attendance at mass is an ecclesiastical precept. So the church has the right to suspend that for some reason, if, if it, you know, sees a just or necessary reason. Now, obviously I don't think it was a just or necessary reason, but they still have the authority to do it. Um, but, but the, the second part of your point though, I absolutely agree with, they did not come in and say, uh, you know, oh yeah, all right, you faithful, you know, since because of this big, scary, uh, you know, undisclosed virus from of unknown origin, um, you know, big, scary, whatever, where you got to stay home or you got to not come to mass. So we're going to give you teaching. We're going to preach, you know, we're, I want you now to, to do these prayers at home to sanctify the day. 
say, and, and this is the way what you should be doing on you. You got nothing. Um, my bishop has been fairly good here in Boise, but during the entire scandemic lockdown, he had not one word to say to the faithful. Uh, he's been supportive mm. of, of, of the fraternity up here in a lot of different ways. Um, he's been less than supportive of tradition in the Novus Ordo itself. But the, his problem, of course, is that not a word. Nothing on the diocesan Twitter, nothing on the diocesan Facebook, nothing in email, nothing in physical letters, nothing even, you know, filtered down through pastors to be put on their live streams. And this is the case in diocese after diocese after diocese. They all got scared and hid in their basements. Um, Now, if you will, I got a spicy take, though, in this whole Twitter controversy. So you have, uh, you know, this particular fellow coming out. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the position that going to the Novus Ordo is sinful or is, does not fulfill your Sunday obligation, principally because I'm not in the position to tell you what you can and can't do. I, I like giving information and letting you embrace that, research it, find out if it's true, and making your own decisions. Um, I know for myself, I won't go to the Novus Ordo uh, anymore. I have not since 2006 except for a wedding. I can't, I just can't deal with it. So now there was somebody who was making this a point similar to this. And the priest came out to one and, and the right priest came out and said, well, see, this is why Pope Francis issued, you know, Traditionis Custodes because of your disobedience. And I'm just looking at that. So I don't have time to get into this with him. So I didn't, but what, what disobedience, where was he disobedient? Where is he commanded that he has to go to his local church and, and sing along with the guitars? Where is that? Uh, you know, what obedient to what? And that's kind of the whole problem with all these issues. You know, the, the false notion of obedience. There isn't even a command that the person's disobeying, but he's being declared to be disobedient. And so irrespective of whether you agree with the position that you can't go to the Novus Ordo or, or not, um, you look at it, you know, they set up this false thing you've got to obey. And then uh, what was actually the reason for Traditionis Custodis? Who is it directed to? It's directed to the people who are going to Mass and communion with Rome. It is directed to the people who are going to their fraternity chapels, their institute chapels, their diocesan churches. Mm-hmm. That's who it is, insta- it, is, it is not put out against the people who are like, yeah, you know, you should never go to the Novus Ordo. It wasn't written for them. Francis tells it explicitly that I, I'm directing this at everyone who goes to to what, what we consider illicit mass. That's who it's directed to, not to the people out there saying, yeah, never go to the Novus Ordo. So, you know, it's again, more of the back and forth that they will take, set up false notions of obedience, false things that you don't actually have to obey because they're not a real law. They'll set up false explanations upon false explanations. Cause even traditions custodians, I think we discussed when it came out uh, was not, designed primarily to bring reconciliation with the SSPX because Pope Benedict told us explicitly why he did it, because this was part of the patrimony of the church and it is the right of every priest to say this mass. That's what Benedict said. And then basically Francis decided he's going to retcon what Benedict clearly wrote and give his own reason for why Benedict issued it. Uh, Almost like, you know, rebooting a movie or something like that. Right. Let me add to that point, Ryan. What's also... Look, let me do one thing, James. I want to bring you in, but I have to kick this over to Brother Martin. That particular priest, Brother Martin, who Ryan is referencing, he put out a tweet on Twitter and he said he's in South Pasadena. And he says, 
I had I wanted to learn the Latin Mass when I was a seminarian, but I wasn't able to. And now, because of traditionalist Casillas, I'll never be able to learn it. That particular priest, the one who was victim blaming, the one who was saying it's because of you mean trans on Twitter. Is that's why we had traditionalists? So I, I will, I'll give you guys a quick geography lesson. South Pasadena is five minutes away from Alhambra outside of LA where there's a Latin mass every Sunday. It's 10 minutes away from Arcadia where the SSPX is every single day. It's about 30 minutes away from uh, the Fraternity St. Peter in LA where there's a Latin mass every single day. If this man wanted to learn the Latin mass, he has three different ways to do so in less than 30 minutes. He, this goes to quote unquote obedience. This goes to, well, I wanted to learn the Latin mass, but I couldn't. And it's all the mean trads on Twitter. That's why they had to traditionalize Casotas. You buy that argument? Absolutely not. Because now that the FSSP is going to have to do the Novus Ordo, he could just simply join the FSSP and he could do both. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy is so feminine. I mean, complaining. It's your guys' fault. I can't have what I want. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you want both, you don't know what either of them are. If you do, I mean, that's what I don't understand about people that do both. They eventually people real they do both and realize that the traditional Latin mass is superior. This kid obviously doesn't understand what the traditional Latin mass is. He wants it merely for the aesthetics or maybe for clout, because if he says he can do it, like he can post a picture of himself on Twitter with a fiddle back and a Beretta and get all the trads or whatever. Yeah. But we, we yeah. all know that it's not about the lace. It's not about the aesthetics. It's none of that. It's, it's, it's an entire life. And, it's and, an and entire what these guys life. don't realize it's a, it's a whole lifestyle. This isn't about smells and bells. It isn't about lace. James, I want to bring you back in the conversation, but, oh, yeah. but so I, what I, I'm I have to make this point. Go ahead. When guy, I, I think this is good. There are, there are bi ritual guys and they're not bad guys, but bi ritualism isn't a destination. It's a journey. If you think that you can be bi ritual, eventually you become, uh, you, you become uh, insane. It's like having multiple personalities because you start to realize that it's two religions and you can't serve both. And so I agree with you. I think it's fine that guys learn the Latin mass and they start to love it. But you see it so often, diocesan priests who fall in love with tradition and then they realize I can't go back. I can't go back. And James, I think this is where I think you're going to be really valuable to the conversation because at the end of the day, I think there needs to be an, uh, an intake program, an indoctrination program where some of these diocesan priests who realize I was ordained in the Novus Ordo, but I can never say that mass ever again. And I don't want anything to do with the culture of the Novus Ordo, the theology of the Novus Ordo. And I want to be a traditionalist exclusively. And ultimately, you know, they may want to join a different order. And that order may not be canonically regular, James. Um, there's got to be an intake program for them. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we've seen stories of, uh, I, I don't remember names, but 
one priest in particular, I, I forget his name, you know, he started to uh, say the mass and to understand the theology behind the mass. And he was a faithful, uh, you know, I guess, Norvisoto priest at that time. And uh, he realized he couldn't serve two spirits, you know. And so from that point on, he chose, you know, to, to stop offering the new mass. And he brought his parish into that uh, whole idea. He brought him into that whole idea. But for someone like that, you know, when there's an attack from, you know, from a higher office saying, well, you know, Father, you, you're doing this and this, your diocese and parish, you can't do this any longer. What is that priest supposed to do? You know, obviously there'll be an intake program, but too often what you find is, uh, there, there's, uh, you know, two understandings uh, sort of, you know, hitting heads at each other. You know, people who grow up mm -hmm. uh, or who are so, so, uh, you know, imbibed with that new idea, sometimes aren't willing to let go of those new ideas, you know, perhaps because it's a little foreign. And so hopefully, you know, uh, places like the fraternity, who, I mean, by the way, the, the fraternity has been offering these services uh, for a long time. The society does the same thing, too. ICKSP does the same thing, too. You know, but uh, you know, when, when you're arriving at a point where you're going to shut down the Ecclesia Dei, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Ecclesia Dei, you know, what's what's going to happen? Um, it'll be it'll be underground. A lot of uh, these I mean, some people will, will feel free going to the society to 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 get this, uh, you know, but it comes at a cost. You know, it's society is free to pick who, who it's going to reach out to and who it's going to reject. It's going to become, you know, basically people vying to, to get in. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's it's, it's a difficult uh, up uphill battle for those who aren't already wrapping their heads around the idea that this is imminent and it's going to shut down. Yeah, Ryan, you look like you want to jump in. You just have that look. <laughs> no, I just thought it was amusing earlier when you sent the black man to the back of the bus. I know how <laughs> how racist. Well, if you read certain right. articles about me, that's exactly what I would do. So, right. uh, indeed. Yeah. Um, little little. Well, no, there was me. actually something I was I, I was um, going to mention, but yeah, in general, though, this is one of those questions that I think we don't we make a lot more of it than it needs to be made. Like we all know the Nova Sword is a problem. I haven't been in so long that I actually forget for the most part, all the reasons why I hated it and everything until I go, well, then I go watch something on YouTube. Oh yeah. That's why I don't want anything to do with that thing. I hate my intelligence and my spirituality and my devotion being mocked by the very liturgy I'm supposed to be worshiping in. But, um, you know, there's so many different things. I've split the difference for years between the traditional mass and the Byzantine divine liturgies. So, you know, if we do see a blackout, um, you know, I'll be at one of those two. Uh, with, with certainty, it will not be at the new right. But um, I, I don't know. I, it, it, we still have to see what the document does. The bishops, there may be some bishops who will set it aside and just, you know, count on the next pope being a little bit better. Uh, I think they're wrong, but, you know, that might be what they do. Or they, they may all go along with it. We just don't know quite what's going to happen. Um, but I think it, it's vain to hope in... Uh, salvation from the church at this point i think what we need to do is hold on to the faith pass the faith down make the sacrifices necessary to pass the faith down and you know try to keep it all together and pray you know for that change at the top then once the change at the top happens and that will you know come down and, and the two will balance each other out between the faithful and the and the 
hierarchy. So, but when it comes down to, to brass tacks, I, we could get into it a lot. I think it's self-defeating to make too much of the Novus Ordo. I think it's better just to make about why the traditional mass is so awesome. Let people come to the traditional mass and experience it for themselves and mm-hmm. see why it's, why it is amazing and why we're not just spouting a whole bunch of stuff. And they themselves will make those conclusions. I came to that conclusion myself that I just, I just, from the time when in seminary I taught myself how to say the Novus Ordo down to, uh, I'm sorry, not the Novus Ordo, the traditional um, low mass. And I said, wow, I can, I can never say the Novus Ordo down to now where I won't even go to it. Um, I, I didn't, you know, nobody approached me and said, yeah, you can never go to the Novus Ordo. Oh, converted. <laughs> Most people, that's not going to happen. But give them the glory of the tradition, let tradition speak for itself, and that will take care of it. And I think that's a better thing to do than constantly ragging on how, how bad the thing is. Just let people sure, see the sure. difference and they'll come to the conclusion on their own. You know, what's really yeah, interesting, yeah. Scott, to, 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 yeah, what's really interesting to harp on your point, Ryan, is that uh, none of us here was born into tradition. You know, uh, we all had our road, you know, that led us to where we are today. And a lot of pe- people who might speak out against what we we're saying or uh, might confuse what we're saying. It's no, it's like uh, we all we have family members still attending these masses and these, uh, you know, communities, so to speak. But, um, you know, a lot of a lot of our judgment comes from our particular experiences with Novus Odo. And uh, f- for the most part, that's exactly why we take the positions we take. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you sometimes you have to know how bad something is in order to appreciate the good. In other words, you have to when you see light and shadow, when you see the contrast, that's when you really appreciate the light. Um, and that's just because of our fallen human nature. If we were if we were angelic, we would just see the light and not need to see the contrast with the shadow. Okay, let's do the. Um, Let's do the absurd segment while everyone prepares his uh, his unpopular opinion. I think I just found mine. But the absurd segment is with it takes us to New Zealand. Very short segment uh, where they're less concerned about the spread of STDs and more concerned about the spread of the flu. I can confirm that that Tinder liaisons have reopened. <laughs> Great news for my friend. It's not. It's not strictly embedded in the traffic light system, but um, it is a given up to 25, actually, in a red area. Stop, stop. No, no, we are going no further on that line of questioning. Um, Prime Minister, moving things on. Okay. As long as you're doing doing Tinder hookups... Within a 25-mile radius, that's fine, as long as you wear your mask and you're fully jammed and you have your boosters. <laughs> There's too many crass <laughs> things to say. There is. <laughs> the only way to respond to this is in a very crass way. Right. 10,000 thoughts just ran through my head, but it all ran through the filter and none of them got through. So. Yeah. <laughs> but this is like, this is like, you know, when Thomas Jefferson, the one of the fathers of, of, of the USSA, when he speaks about liberty, he's really referring to licentiousness. And this is a dopamine that just d- makes the people stupid. I mean, this is like when we, before we invaded Iraq, 
You know, we had Israel uh, pipe porn into the country to make the men stupid and lazy. And for a government to actively promote licentiousness, it makes the, it makes the populace stupid and lazy, and it makes them controllable. These are libertines. That's what we're talking about. And, right. and, and these people have no problem with STDs. They, have, they apparently have a problem with the sniffles. I don't know. Like I said, she's got a container enthusiasm there, but um, it, it it goes to for me, um, and you see this with the fascination. Like if anyone still reads the Dredge Report, I don't know why you do, but if you do, you'll see that whenever there's a news story about sex robots, Drudge has it like right up top there. Everything you can see about it, um, or you know things of that sort. But I think pornography already gets us to the level where we. Um, we cease to be capable of civilization. Um, and then once you get to, you know, sex robots or a little like the Japanese have like little uh, female AIs that empower you and make you feel better because you're, you're, you're too wimpy to actually go out and, and, and earn a woman's love on your own. Right. Um, but you look at, go all the way back to Plato's symposium, which I love how it starts. Cause they, they decide they got way too drunk the night before. So they weren't going to drink that, that night as they discuss philosophy. But as they get into it though, there's different views in love and love and Socrates draws them all together that ultimately it deals with the ability to sacrifice to, to, you know, for your beloved to make yourself worthy of love. And also, and that's what causes men to achieve great things. So if you take that element out where it's all just so easy, you just got your, whatever. I don't even want to mention it. Um, and you have no incentive to go out and create or to invent or to uh, you know produce a business or whatever. You'll have no incentive. And if that happens, that basically means civilization will end. Everyone will be completely controllable and it'll, it'll always be, it'll be, you'll start looking at where human society devolves to in uh, Wells's The Time Machine. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, now that we got that behind us, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's let's. Ryan, you are sitting in in um, what used to be Steve's position. Oh, so you have to go first today. Okay. Um, my unpopular opinion is, um, if somebody deems that they want to enjoy. The, fest the festiveness of the Christmas season, and even though it's Advent, and they are generally preparing for Christ to come, and, and that's, that's the thought, that's the focus, but yet at the same time, if they want to put up their lights, make, make the house look festive before the very night of Christmas Eve, and they want to, um, you know, you know, maybe play a little Bing Crosby or something like that. There, there's, uh, you know, various Christmas songs, things that bring up the, the general spirit, even if it's somewhat secular. You know, obviously, as long as they are actually, you know, living the liturgical season and preparing, there's nothing wrong with doing a little bit of festive stuff on the side. Oh, man. I feel... <laughs> I feel personally attacked by this. Let me cut Ryan off. I feel, Can we I cut feel Ryan's like mic off? this is this is your revenge for my unpopular. I'm, okay I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, brother Martin, go. So both Rorati Chaley and Edward Penton have both said that something huge is going to drop. A nuclear bombs going to drop from Rome. 
basically saying that there will be no licit Holy Week triduums in the entire world. A complete blackout for the Holy Week all across the world for licit masses. So you either have the Novus Order to go to or, or nothing at all. Licitly. Supposedly. This is primarily this unpop is primarily to, to all the priests watching, seminarians that might be watching, etc. If this is not a cue, what will be? I mentioned that the bishop canceled the masses in Mexico in the 1920s, and blessed Miguel Pro, who who ran around in lay clothes and disobeyed, he offered the sacraments to the people of people of God. If you're reduced simply to the traditional Latin mass and think that the other sacraments and the other rites aren't important, don't pretend. Don't call yourself a traditional priest. Don't call yourself a traditional priest. If you think you could offer the, the Novus Ordo and think that wearing a Roman fiddleback and wearing lace will communicate the true faith to the faithful, you obviously don't read the prayers of the mass, of the Novus Ordo mass, and realize that it's a different theology. Don't call yourself a traditional priest. If the complete and total blackout of the of the sacred triduum, the holiest time of year, the holiest three days of the entire year, if you're okay with that, don't call yourself a traditional priest. If this is not a cue to stand up for your faith, you have no principles, you are not a man, you're a validly ordained priest, I can't say that you're not a priest. However, if I saw you face to face, I would I would be disappointed, to be honest. If a complete and total worldwide blackout of the of the sacred triduum occurs, and you're gonna let the traditional rites go away and, and just let them disappear into history, it's very disappointing. You might as well not call yourself a priest. So if this is not a cue to rebel, there is no cue to rebel for you. And those who do choose to re- rebel, those are the people with the courage to follow, uh, to whom the lay people should follow. So that's my unpopular opinion. Spicy. Ooh, very, okay. Very, All right, James, wow. that's going to be a tough act to follow, but you're going to have to do your best. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a tough act. But I'll tell you this. For what, am I, what I'm about to say, I might get flayed for this a lot. So every vigil, whether it's a Christmas vigil or uh, Easter vigil, I always end up, my eyes fall on to these large families coming in. They have all the kids dressed up. And then there's a little, there's a little one, you know, who's in pajamas. Parents, why, why are your kids in pajamas? I don't get it. So my popular opinion is get your little kids out of pajamas when they go to mass, especially when they go to the vigil, Christmas or Easter, get them dressed up. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's that's my unpopular take. I, you know, I, <laughs> my wife and I have this uh, this inside joke. We're like, oh, there's a Walmart baby. You see a Walmart <laughs> right. baby. You see a kid yeah. who just like dressed for Walmart, and they're usually yeah. wearing their pajamas, and it's a and it's they usually be, like, a onesie. 40 degrees yeah. outside, or right. thirty yeah. degrees. Yeah, and and onesies. my wife is Mexican. Yeah. Right. My wife is Mexican, and they're, you know she's big on covering the head, covering the feet, right. you know, putting a right. scarf on them, bundling them, but up, bundling them up. Right. If it's forty right. degrees, it might as well be like the tundra. 
and, um, and but you see these kids and you're just like oh that's a walmart baby but then when you see a walmart baby at mass you're like oh come on yeah better than that try it a little harder yeah okay i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to dig deep i'm gonna have to dig deep on this week for the unpopular opinion here's my unpopular opinion we should be saying hail mary's every single day for every single one of our children to find the right spouse and in particular if you're a father your one duty is to protect the integrity and protect the purity of your daughters. If you are a man who does not believe that your primary responsibility is to protect the purity of your daughter, if you don't believe that you have the absolute fundamental right to give your daughter away to the right man or to deny giving your daughter away to the right man, you're a cuck. You're an absolute worthless loser. And if you're a man who wrote a book about the so-called patriarchy, but you don't believe in asking permission to court a young lady, to take that young lady from her father, you are a hypocrite, a loser, and not to be taken seriously. And your entire thesis for your book is worthless and should be tossed into the fire. That's my unpopular opinion this week. Um, wow. not that that's Life a specific there. example, but, um, <laughs> you know, if it applies to you, then you're a cuck. I mean, I didn't, I didn't write a book, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's grift. Can we grift? Let's grift. I know, I know this is certain, you know, there are probably people who are being paid right now to watch this and they're like, oh Yes. This is what I've been paid for. I've been watching for two hours, and now I finally get to the grifter segment. I'm going to see what Mike is going to grift, and I'm going to write an article about it. Um, Ryan. Okay. So first, the Mediatrix Express Book Club this month. Uh, St. Albert the Great. A lot of people uh, you know, know that he was the teacher of St. Thomas Aquinas, but they don't know a whole lot about him. This is a very easy to read and get into biography. Just look at that. Just look at that frontispiece. Um, but anyway, easy biography to get into um, in order to, to learn about St. Albert's life, uh, his holiness, his de defense of St. Thomas after uh, certain issues happened in St. Thomas's life. Then an oldie but a goodie. I have re... Uh, what's the right word? I was about to say remastered, but that's entirely the wrong genre of uh, stuff. I've completely redone uh, On the Marks of the Church. It was the first Bellarmine translation I did. I've got into a smaller, nicer volume than the oversized one that I had. Um, so again, it's, of all of Bellarmine stuff, this is the, probably one of the easiest ones to read On the Marks of the Church. It's not super incredible, deep uh, ecclesiology, although there's very useful and important teachings in there. And then... Uh, Dominican Life, which is a, a handbook for uh, lay Dominicans or anyone who's just interested in, in Dominican spirituality. It was written in the 1930s, and I reprinted it exactly, so you don't have to worry about um, you know, what kind of stuff might be in it that certain Dominicans today might teach. Um, so if, you, if you're, you really like Dominican spirituality, that's a way to get into it. Excellent. 
Love it. Brother Martin. They're in. All right. Uh, Old Blaze of St. Augustine 2022 calendar, liturgical calendar. It's the pre-55 calendar with all of our Augustinian saints in. But, of course, on the days with those Augustinians, uh, I put the saints in that you would probably be experiencing. So what's different about this year is there's this neat little spiral, so it's nice and clean whenever you hang it up on your wall. Very practical looking. Obviously, here in March, you can see the ember days and, and the fast, all the tr- traditional days. And so you can get this on our website, www.oblatesofstaintaugustine.com slash shop. Um, they're right there. They're just 10 bucks. Simple, very, very practical uh, calendar for uh, helping you keep uh, well, learn about the traditional feast days, the octaves, because there's a, there's a lot different between the 1962 and the pre-55 in terms of octaves and the Ember days sometimes are different in, in September, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it, it's a way to, to learn to learn our history, to learn our faith, and, and to, to form your, your family life around our feasts and around our fasts. So $10, oblazesofstaintaugustine.com slash shop. Love it. James, I'm not a grifter. You're not a grifter, but you have anything? I'm not a grifter, but I just want to share something I've been reading uh, this season. This is St. Alfonso de Ligori's The Way of Salvation and of Perfect, sorry, and of uh, Perfection. This is a great book, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about this book. Everyone should get it. Um, you can find it. Just type it in, and you know, find it wherever. I don't know if Ryan cares it at um, Mediatrics Press. No. Um, th- yeah, <laughs> this is a great book, and uh, it's got year-round meditations for for the faithful. And uh, there's a chapter in it which I think is very useful. It's uh, conformity to God's will, especially in the time we're living in. Uh, you kind of you, you you ask yourself a lot of questions. You, you might have some doubts about certain things that are going on in the church. Uh, but rather than focusing on that, you ask yourself, well, how can I conform to God's will? How do I know what God's will is for me? Uh, another chapter in there is very useful is how to converse with God, especially now that we are in a time when we, like uh, uh, Mike was just saying a moment ago, we have to learn how to pray for our, for our loved ones, for our spouses, for our, our kids, for uh, those under us, especially. And also how to, you know, uh, talk to to god and with god uh highlights a lot of things that are very useful and then uh lastly how to get through interior trials we are experiencing a lot of that uh in the dark dark days that are following and those that have have gone and how to sort of maintain that state of uh trust and sanity uh much needed so once again this is the way of salvation and of perfection by saint alfonso de Liguori. love it Guys, this is an excellent rundown. Thank you for joining. Thank you for watching. And um, be sure to subscribe and um, follow RTF on all of our social platforms. One programming note, um, Steve Cunningham, uh, we've been talking for a long time. He didn't want to do the rundown for the long term. He wanted to take Advent off, and he has taken Advent off. And I think he's probably going to extend that uh, longer than Advent, and he may not return to the rundown. So, um we pray for Steve. We love Steve. He's, he's a good friend, friend of all four of us. Nothing uh, personal. He just has a lot going on with Clown Planet and Tessus Fidelium and all those things. So he probably will not be back for those of you who are asking about Steve. This is Rundown. Thank you so much for watching. God bless.
Hey. Hey, we're still on. I should end the broadcast. Yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>